The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lakeisha, licensed professional counselor. And I'm just really enjoying this weekend. I'm soaking up having celebrated 30 sessions within this podcast world. So <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> and and you guys are hearing um, a male chuckling in the background because I have a very special guest today with me on the pod. Mr. Jason Gray, you want to say hello to the TEC listeners? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be a part of it and ready to share a wealth of knowledge that I have. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so many of you are probably like, Jason Gray, like I've heard that name before. You probably have. Um, he is half of <laughs> oh. the, the genius behind these wonderful trivia games we see floating around here um, mm-hmm. as it relates to a different world, Martin, um, house party. I bought them though. So. Yeah. You, okay. My uh, manager, my producer said he bought them too. So. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank yes. you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. We would have known afterwards. I was. I was gonna sing you yeah, like when we do stuff like this. We always sing games and stuff off, you know, to people. So we don't sing y'all some of our newest stuff that we got coming out. Hey. You know, <laughs> So I got, we got something special for y'all. We got something special, some new stuff. So okay. y'all can't tell nobody. <laughs> I promise. I promise. All Mom's right. the word. I, I won't say nothing right. until y'all put it out right. there. Pinky. Okay. Pinky swear. We got a pinky, pinky swear. swear. I promise. Our pinky uh, swear. All right. All right. I ain't that way. I keep got a secret. You, got so. you. <laughs> Okay, cool. And so, you know, they are, well, I, I only have half of the Cards for the Culture yeah. brand here with me today. So the other half is celebrating yeah. um, a new life. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Had a boy, the birth of my, my, my nephew, <laughs> RG, RG2 is what he called him, Aww. or Richard Gray. That is yeah, so yeah, cute. Yeah, so <laughs> so yeah. congratulations to him and to you as well, mm-hmm. being an uncle. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And so today, um, we're just going to talk about mental health and, and being black okay. and what that means. Okay. And I'm just so grateful okay. for you, Jason, for being like, yeah, like, you know, I'm down. I'm just because, you know, the subject say mental health and, and black men. And I was like, yeah. oh, shoot, why did I put it's that like in? Taboo, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> it's taboo. Uh, this is it. A yes. lot of us have a hard time expressing and talking about these things because we don't want to get judged and looked as being weak nowadays so and i think this is a great opportunity for us to be able to kind of touch on some things um surrounding mental health in the black community especially yes and so jason i want to start with just with you growing up what was it like growing up in your home so for me so um we were born here well, not here but in chicago and then we moved to um, Jackson, Mississippi, because our um, grandmother didn't want anything bad happen to us. Uh, we grew up and we were living in a really bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of violence and drugs were prevalent at the time. I mean, it still is, but even more so then. 
and she moved us there because she didn't want anything to happen to us. But, mm. you know, moving there, it was a struggle, you know, more specifically for me because I was dark-skinned. And mm. in Mississippi, they used to always make fun of me because I was dark-skinned. And it was really, really tough growing up. It was a point where I was in elementary school. I was putting, like, bleaching cream on, on, the, on my skin wow. because I wanted to be a little lighter because they used to always make fun of me, you know, and... As I started, you know, getting older, once we we moved back to Chicago, my junior year of high school, um, you know, I was more accepted when we moved back. It was cool to be dark skinned when I moved back to Chicago, but it was it was tough, and I wasn't a relatively big guy, so like I mm. love, I love to play sports, but I would always get cut from sports teams because mm. be too small and everything like that, and you know, I it it, it really there was a lot of insecurities that I had growing up in. I didn't have anybody to talk to. Um, I didn't know how to deal with it. So it was it was tough growing up, you know, especially outside of the household. You know, right. inside of the house it was it was great, but outside it was it, it was tough and you know, even with my family, I would always think like people, other families were better than my family because I didn't know any better because my mom sometimes couldn't do this or my grandmother couldn't mm-hmm. do that. You know, I didn't have a father. My father wasn't around when we were growing up, so I didn't have a male father figure or anything. And then my grandmother, she adopted us when we moved to Mississippi. So my mom wasn't there for a short period of time. She eventually came back around. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was tough growing up. It was tough. Mm. And now, um, growing up, how many siblings did you have? So it's me, my brother, and I have two sisters. I have two younger sisters. So my brother is right next. Uh, my brother is, so I'm 33. Okay. Uh, my brother is 32. We have a sister that's 30 and another sister that's 28. Okay. Yeah, so we were, like, super close. And, you know, we all had a different fathers and everything. My mom had me when she was, like, 16. And, mm. you know, she was young and she was having fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, she still carries that guilt around for not being there. And I'm like, and I tell her, I was like, please stop doing that. Like, we're not mad. I get it. And you were young, you know, and everything like that. But, yeah, it was it, it was horrible. Mm. And now, do you think that your other siblings felt any type of way in terms of, like, were they dark-skinned or a little lighter-skinned than you? Yeah, like my brother, he's a tad, you know, a tad lighter than I am. And um, my sisters are, they all around the same complexion. My younger sister is a little um, lighter than we are um, mm-hmm. complexion-wise, but I was the darker one. And I'm not sure if they had any of those issues that I had, because like I said, we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know on my podcast, um, I had recorded an episode where I kind of talked about it a little bit more in depth, and you know, it was like my first time like publicly talking about these things that I went through, wow. and my brother didn't really know anything about it, and the crazy part about it is, when we were in Mississippi, I remember I was coming home, I went home, and I told my grandmother, I was just like, I was failing classes because I didn't want to be seen, mm. I didn't know how to read because I was in the fifth grade, right. you know, and I was just like one of those things, and then I remember I went home, and I was just like, mom, I'm tired of them making fun of me. You know, I'm telling, like, I'm not doing good. And then I remember two weeks later, I came home. It was a big U-Haul truck outside. And she was like, I'm moving you, moving us back to Chicago. And ironically, we moved back to the same neighborhood that we left. But mm-hmm. it was like the greatest thing that could have potentially happened to us moving back to Chicago. So, mm. yeah. Now, now, how long were you yeah. in Mississippi? So we were in Mississippi from my fourth grade to my junior year of high school. Wow. So 
yeah, it was it was a while. We were there for a while. Yeah, you know, we were there for a while. Wow. So can you kind of like take us through an example um, specifically of, of you going through that low self-esteem? And, and you know, I don't want to um, put words on it or label it, but depression mm-hmm. almost in a sense, too, yeah. I could imagine, you know, just feeling less than because of your skin color. You know, unfortunately, that is still something that we we deal with mm-hmm. even in the media amongst celebrities, right. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we look at how, like you said, like how the media is, and they portray um, these images of people, and a lot of them, while they are us, they don't look like us because Mm -hmm. of how they kind of Photoshop and dress them up to look a certain way, you know, and stuff that we can't um, relate to because we're not directly connected to how that look is because we don't have those type of resources, and and another reason that's just not us and how we look I just wish it would be more natural appeal on these media covers because that's what we look like and we can relate to that and, re- and it'll resonate with us more but you know to answer your question um, you know even so we could even start when I was in um, you know like I said when I was in elementary school mm-hmm. I, I remember going to school uh, we were going on a field trip and you know I remember like man we were out I was getting ready and I just stumbled in my mom's bathroom and, you know, she had some cream in there and, you know, and I just went and I put it on my face and then, you know, and it was like burning my face and everything. Mm. And I'm excited because I'm like, okay, this is working. You know, like I'm going, I'm going to be uh, a shade lighter and people are going to accept me, Mm. you know, and I was just going around like I was just dealing with this for a long time. And then, and then outside of that, I was always trying to make the sports teams and, you know, I was I would get cut from the sports team, and I remember um, when I was going to so let's go to middle school. I was trying out for the football team, and you know, I got cut. I told my grandmother I was crying. It was just one of those things. I'm still not accepted, even though I know I should have made the team. Mm-hmm. My grandmother went up there, and she pitched. You know, she she pitched the one to him, and she was. <laughs> and then the guy was like, um, you know, my, my grandmother asked like, why didn't he make the team? And you know, the head coach looked at me and was like, he's too small. Oh. You know, and like that was like that really hurt me. And it's just like I'm going through all these processes of not feeling good enough. And then I got to the point where I was ready to start dating, but mm-hmm. nobody would talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. why are you so black? Why your skin mm-hmm. so dark? You know, and then it just kind of had me in the shell where I was just when I was in class, I never said anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I hated when the teacher used to want me to read. And I was fell in my classes. Like if we would have stayed in Mississippi, I would have guaranteed I would have failed my junior year high school. Wow. Like, I was on the verge of it because I didn't want to do nothing. I just wanted to play sports and go home. You know, and I mm-hmm. made the baseball team. I played baseball, you know, and that was kinda like the my faith haven. You know, I can not think about that stuff. But even then, you know, like when we would go to practice, I remember coming and showing up to practice in the coach car and the coach had tinted windows and we got out the car and I remember a couple of the players saying, you must have sitting by the window because the windows were dark. And I was like, I was sitting next to that. Yeah. You know, so right. that's just the type of stuff. And I was, you know, that I had to deal with. So, you know, it, 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 it made me sad. And I mean, you know, I, maybe I was depressed. I don't really know what depression is because I haven't been diagnosed with it, but if, yeah. you know, it, it, if me being sad and moping around and, you know, not wanting to be social, mm-hmm. if that's a part of yeah. it, then that's what it was. And, yeah. you know, I came to grips that I still carry some of that today, but mm. I don't carry it as a hindrance, yeah. more so as 
fuel. I use it as fuel, like a chip on my shoulder. You know, and I don't know if it's a good thing. Sometimes I was telling my um, my girlfriend the other day, I was saying, like, maybe I need to go see therapy because I think I kind of old grudge just the things that happened mm-hmm. back in the day when I was a kid. And it's like I'm constantly trying to prove myself that I'm great, I belong, and I don't think I should feel like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it kind of work. works for me, yeah. you know, because every day I wake up, I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm happy. You know, I've been blessed enough to create something that people love and yeah. people love what I do, you know, but it's, 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 it's tough to deal with sometimes. Like, it's, it's, it's tough, and I think I still carry some of that to this day. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. And, and to go back oh, to... Oh, no, no problem. Yeah, to go oh, back no, to no the problem. depression. So when you were mm-hmm. feeling, like like you said, that mopey feeling, just um, withdrawn, mm-hmm. not wanting to socialize with people and the things that did mm-hmm. pique your interest at one point, like you no yeah. longer had any interest in wanting to do those things. Um, I don't know if mm-hmm. you had any... Um, feelings of like um hopelessness things like that so if if those kind of behaviors last about mm-hmm. two weeks we would diagnose that right. as depression uh mm-hmm. well, yeah i would have been diagnosed then definitely yeah. if that was you know if that was the case yeah yeah wow and then and then mm-hmm. too to reiterate that everything is connected so you know um even for you to say you know like maybe i i, I need to you know try therapy out yeah. because i'm i'm still holding on to some of these things granted yeah you, you have definitely um used a lot of it for fuel but yet we have some Ew, of those residuals yeah. of, 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 yeah. of a situation you know what i mean i know I, I totally understand because anytime I'm doubted or I feel like something that I do that I know is of quality and it's not accepted. It kind of takes me back to, oh, okay, still people that don't believe mm, in you, yeah. you know, and then it takes me back to that place, but more so a depression. It takes me to this place where I, it's time to work even harder, you know, mm-hmm. and when I should be working more efficiently, but it kind of puts me in a place to where I, I have to work an extra three hours when I really mm. don't need to work extra three hours so it's like i'm constantly trying to prove to myself Mm. and prove that i should be accepted the things that i do they're great things to do you know what i'm saying so you know like but you know i'm i'm handling it i'm I'm dealing with it the best that i can yeah and then to also touch on because you know um with you having the issue of your complexion we think that women Mm -hmm. only go through that you know, but but uh, yeah, men no. go through the exact same thing. You highlighted using yep. bleaching creams and things like that. Uh-huh. Women are not the uh-huh. only ones that have an issue with their complexion and feel less than right. or um, are talked about because how dark they are, how light they may be, yeah. you know. Um, so I'm definitely grateful for you sharing that piece because we don't always think about men having right. those self-esteem issues, right? Because we think that's a woman's thing. Right. Woman thing, yeah, but you know, I will say it's not an issue now. Like, I can tell you, there's <laughs> one thing that I know is not an issue okay. for me personally, it's my skin complexion and how I look. Mm-hmm. You know, I've grown into that part mm-hmm. of myself so I'm comfortable with who I am and how I look, you know. But yeah. back then, you know, growing up in, you know, the early 90s when, mm-hmm. you know, it was more light skinned guys portrayed on TV right. that women seemed to have gravitated towards back then. And it was like, that's the look that they were looking for, you know. But now, you know, it, it, it's great now. I can't complain. 
it was great now. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I I served my time, you know, having yeah. to deal with that, and it's a lot of us that dealt with that or still dealing with that. I'm sure, exactly for you sure. Know, but you know, a lot of people just don't talk about it. or don't know who to talk to because, like I say, it's the stigma where mm-hmm. if I say anything about you know my appearance or being depressed or even having mental issues or health issues yeah. you know it's looked down upon and you know that's unfortunate that they're so bad in our community exactly exactly so now as, as you were transitioning through the stages of development and still um holding on to this like i'm not good enough what mm-hmm. were there any people in your life that um that, that that poured into you to be like you are beautiful you are smart yes. and you know granted they didn't know mm-hmm. what you were going through because you guys didn't talk about it but were you getting right. that from family or friends well, my yeah well my grandmother you know she always like you are beautiful you mm-hmm. know you are great you gonna be great but mm-hmm. i always was combative with her i was like you supposed to say that and mm-hmm. she reminds yeah. me that every day she was like <laughs> i told you you were gonna be great oh. and you used to always say you supposed to say that that's what you supposed to say so my grandmother she was she, she's very instrumental in you know helping me transition out of feeling certain ways she got me out of the worst part of my life mm. when we were in Mississippi like she got us out just in time wow. for me to start really coming into my own as a young adult into mm. high school because when we like I said we moved to Chicago I started having the time of my life granted mm. I was a little wild at times because I started getting attention that I've never gotten mm. and I was playing sports people always wanted to be around hang out I was getting new friends you know when it was starting to like me so I was I was I was in that space and I was happy and you know and then eventually I was able to go to college and everything like that but mm-hmm. you know my grandmother she was always there to push me to keep going and you're gonna be fine and you look good and smart and all of this mm-hmm. other stuff but at the end of the day I'm gonna have to believe in myself exactly. if anything is gonna work no matter what anybody else says and mm-hmm. she was gassing me up pumping me up <laughs> and eventually. You know, I started, like, looking myself in the mirror, and people think I'm crazy, but I tell them, like, I'll strip butt naked and look in the mirror and tell myself, <laughs> you are fine, like, you you great, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I, I seriously do that, you know, yeah. and I do it to this day, and it works for me. So, you know, you just have to be able to just accept who you are from head to toe. And, you know, I, for the most part, you know, I'm, I, I've been able to, you know, make, make great of myself. Because mostly my grandmother was able to, you know, like I say, tell everybody, gas me up. Tell me, grandmama. So. <laughs> Thank God for grandmamas, right? <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. No, I, I love that um, because I'm thinking of even um, the individuals I work with that come to me um, with those mm-hmm. issues about self-esteem. We do different projects where um, I bring in um, like the handheld mirrors and we're writing the things on there that we that the negative things. So those right. irrational thoughts right. that we have of ourselves. Okay. And then on the other mirror, we're writing all those great things about us. But again, like you said, yeah. it, it's something you have to reinforce daily, but you have to and break yeah. whatever that is in you so you can start believing it you know like you said even though grandmama was gassing you up you had to come to a point where you was like you know what Mm -hmm. I believe this like me Jason I'm great (laughs) I'm fine once you once you start you know seeing a a few results and you start seeing them pile on 
mm-hmm. and you start getting more and more confident. So like when we moved here, she was like, you see, always told me you handsome, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then once I started getting a little attention, then it started making sense. Like, mm-hmm. okay. But then I also had to say, look myself in there and say, you know what? You do look good, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm making, start making good grades. You know, my grandmother wow, always yeah. told me I was smart, but I, let, I need to make a couple A's or something, make a couple B's, mm-hmm. start building up that, that confidence and, you know, whatever else that I was doing. And, you know, once you start seeing these small victories, you start building up that confidence and yeah. that's what happens. So, you know, I, you know, I would just say, you know, whatever it is you have insecurities about, you know, find something that you can start helping build your confidence, no matter how small it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and once you start seeing some results, you'll start feeling more and more confident. Yeah. You know, that that's that true. that's what works that's what works that's what works for me, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so true. And now I want to touch on, because you said um, dad wasn't a part of your life. Was there ever yeah. a point in time where he was? No. Well, no, I've never met him. I've okay. seen like one picture of him. Um, actually, I talked to him one time and it was when I graduated from undergrad. And he was like, oh, I'll call you back. And I never heard from him. Now, again, now I will say this, like mm-hmm. with him, you know, I don't hold any resentment. I'm not mad at him. You know, um, I'm not, I don't really make excuses for people, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things where if my dad was to call me today, I would be like, let's go out for a drink. Let's go mm-hmm. hang out. Like, I'm not like, I don't yeah. like when it comes to stuff like that, like with him per se, or maybe, I don't know. Like I don't hold a grudge with him at all, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't, because I, I turned out to be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I'm a perfectly fine young man. So, you know, but I would just ask him, like, you know, what happened with you and my mom? But she was 16, he was 17, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I understand. Like, yeah. I'm very understanding. Mm-hmm. They they were young again, you know. I know some people, he may feel, if he's anything like me, maybe a little prideful and maybe embarrassed or something like, mm-hmm. I left you hanging or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I'm just understanding like that with a lot of things, you know, so. I'm not I'm not mad at him at all, not even in the slightest. And like mm-hmm. I said, you can call me today and I'll be like, Let's go out for a drink to a bar, watch a game and chat, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe we can mend whatever you feeling towards, you know, the situation and I'll let him know. We can build something from here, you know. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with with dad not being in your life, how do you think that has mm-hmm. impacted you growing up? Because, you know, many of the times um, I see individuals and even for me. So, you know, my biological mm-hmm. father wasn't in my life. Um, I have a okay. great stepdad, but, you know, that's dad. Like at the end of the day, you yeah. know, can nobody tell me that anything? But I had those yeah. insecurities of feeling like I'm not uh-huh. good enough. Um, no one loves uh-huh. me. And so, you know, we get to that age of, of where we find ourselves searching for that love or that fatherly love at least for me yeah um you know in all the wrong places you know oh yeah so so yeah. how how do you think that in, impacted you growing up transitioning into adulthood well so my uncle he was a part of our life um you know my my grandmother's boyfriend he was a part of our lives but for us like me and my brother we talk about this all the time i think what helped us a lot was that we always were into sports. So mm. what sports did for us more than just the activities, but, yeah. you know, it added structure to our life, responsibility, mm. taught us how, yeah. you know, to, to deal with conflict as men. And, of course, we're around, you know, our people that's our gender, and we have these coaches and stuff like that. But I think 
sports played a pivotal role into us growing into men. And, you know, my grandmother, she wasn't strict on us. She was, her, her big thing with what I was growing up was, all I want you guys to do is don't do drugs, mm. stay out of trouble, and go to school. Mm-hmm. You know, and she just kind of gave us free reign to, you know, <laughs> learn and make mm-hmm. our own mistakes as we were growing up. And we never did drugs. We never went to jail. We never got in any, any real trouble or mm-hmm. anything like that. So, you know, we, we, we stayed out of trouble. But like I said, it was more so that we can go play sports and let that kind of guide us through you know, the things that we would have to deal with and build up character, confidence, and everything like that, it'll help us out. And, you know, that was our thing. She was very instrumental in us playing sports, making sure we had everything we needed, making sure we got the practice mm-hmm. and all of those things because she knew that she couldn't play that role, even though she tried so hard. Because right. my grandmother, she she was one of the types that, you know, she would, like, she would go up to the schools and she would... She would, like, get in people's face if they disrespected us. I'm sorry if you heard something in the background. But, but yeah, if you heard, um, if, uh, yeah, if, if anybody disrespected us or anything like that, and she was like, I'm your father, too. You know, she mm-hmm. would say stuff like that because it wasn't, you know, our father wasn't, wasn't around. So, yeah. you know, but like I say, like, we, we have to raise ourselves and teach each other, you know, how to be men. We went through that transition, you know, alone. And I, I would say we are, you know, we are the exception. We're not the mm. rule when it comes to that because most people, like you know, yeah. they they hold those grudges, mm-hmm. you know, against yeah. their fathers for not being there and they blame them for not being who they think they should be, which mm-hmm. they have the right to do, but, you know, me and my brother have this thing like, you know, accountability, you know, mm-hmm. we could easily blame that, but at some point, we got to take responsibility for our lives and at the end of the day, us as humans, we know right from wrong, good from bad, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just us being able to know when to act on certain things. And that's what, you know, we, we, we learn how to do what we needed to do to make it through his life. I mean, it wasn't easy, but, right. you know, we were able to, you know, we both went to college, we both have master's degrees. You know, we have a very, very successful business oh. that we work with together. Yeah. So, you know, we 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 we're doing pretty good, but you know, it, it was tough. It was tough. Right. And, and just by you laying that out, because some people maybe look like, OK, well, you know, they have this yeah. successful business <laughs> that everybody uh, knows yeah. for the culture, you know, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. master's degrees. But what about me, yeah. you know, still trying to find my way? And I am holding on to some of this resentment to my daddy. What about me? Can I be mad? Yeah. What would you say to those yeah. people? I That's all. My thing is, like, where's your like I said, accountability for your life. When mm-hmm. are you going to look and say, you know, when are you going to look in the mirror and say, yeah. I have to do what's best for me. And like I say, I, I don't know what, what people, how they feel. And I can't tell them how to mm-hmm. feel. But like I say, at some point you have to be like, I know what I want to do. You know, there's a lot of resources out here for not me, but for everybody to find different ways to find help to figure out, to make these transitions and everything to get to that next level that they want to get to without holding somebody else responsible. Uh, you got to be responsible for your own life. And, you know, once you take responsibility for your life, like me and my brother decided to do, it, things will be a lot easier for you. I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you, like, once I didn't, like, with my family especially, like, not mm-hmm. holding grudges for my mom 
for, you know, not yeah. being there for us for a period of time growing up, letting my grandmother adopt us and raise us mm-hmm. for a long time. I don't hold a grudge with her. You know, she still holds that guilt, but mm-hmm. I have to tell her periodically, like, do not feel guilty. Like, right. you know, and, and, and sometimes maybe you have to be the, be the bigger person in a situation. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I shouldn't have to tell my mom that, but I do mm-hmm. because I want her to, you know, be able to come around and, and, and tell and her to be able to express herself to us and let us know, you know, mm-hmm. I, I apologize. I didn't mean for that to happen, but it happened, you know, and yeah. it's just a part of our story, mm-hmm. you know, and like I say, with my dad, you know, like, I should be mad at him, but I'm not, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I've only talked to him one time, but mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, my life is my life and I'm fully responsible for it at this point. Like, I'm old now. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm older. I'm not going to say I'm old. So. But, yeah. Right. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think of even the moms that I do work with as well, you know, they come in with so much um, guilt for just the decisions that they made. And I'm like, you know, parenting doesn't come with this manual. And, you know, in your situation, your mom, she was a young mom, you know, so she, you know, she did the best she could what she thought she, you know what I mean? And giving it to grandmama was like, this is the best thing right now. (laughs) Yeah, she took control of it and you know and Mm -hmm. she made she did a a wonderful job like you know i can't thank her enough like you know i take take care of her when anytime she called me like you know Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna do what i need to do and i would do the same for my mom Mm -hmm. and too but you know my grandmother she she was there and Mm -hmm. you know she would play the pivotal part in my life and where i'm at now because like i say we wouldn't have never left mississippi when we did Mm -hmm. I no telling where I would be at right now. Like mm-hmm. I just no telling what would happen with me. So yeah. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. And mm-hmm. I love that you said this is it's just a part of my story. You yeah. Know? And, uh, yeah. Like I was, you know, being able to talk about and share our stories, especially us being business people, I think mm-hmm. that's very important. You know, yeah. and I tell my brother, like, when we go and we talk to people, we always as transparent about our journey as possible so people can understand it's not all glitz and glamour. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we went through a process, and, um, you know, we always say there's two types of people in this world. There's outcome people, and there's process people. Mm-hmm. And me and my brother are process people, and we understand that, and we try to weed out outcome people because these are the people that only want to see the results, whereas mm-hmm. there's a story behind a success, you know, there's a story behind a failure, but yeah. people want to know these stories because they need something to connect to. People don't just want to hear like, oh, y'all built this big business. Right. Like, okay, what what came with this? Like, what happened leading up to this? Mm. Like, did you have yeah. failures? Yeah, we had failures. So if you're doing a business or you're going through something and you failed, you could be like, oh, they failed and look, they kept going and they kept going. Exactly. You know, so that's, that's, that's what we try to preach to people. And we want people to look at us when they hear us talk. We want y'all to know that, that we struggled. Like, we went mm. through a lot. Like, I was homeless um, wow. three years ago, you know, working on my business, trying wow. to figure things out. And I'm just, I just, I know myself. I'm self-aware. I understand the type of person I am. And, you know, I have problems with authority. So me working for people is kind of difficult for me. So I was like, all right, I need to lock in and figure out how I'm going to build a successful business mm. because I know that's where I'm going to be my most happiest. 
by owning my own stuff and not having somebody hovering over me telling me or asking me, did you do this or you need mm-hmm. to do this every day? And I kind of, you know, marched at the beat of my own drum because yeah. I felt like I built up, I built myself up to do what I want to do and not mm-hmm. live by certain constraints because I went through a struggle. I went through it all. So, you know, for me to get out of that struggle, which I, you know, take a lot of responsibility for outside of my grandmother. So I feel like, well, since I did that, I deserve to do things the way that I want to do it, you know, within reason, of course. But yeah, like, so that's how I go about my life. So, you know, I get a little uncomfortable when people get demanding towards me or mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. You know, I feel kind of feel a certain way. And that's why I was like, I have to control 100% of my business. Like when people come in, people reach out, they want to invest and stuff like that. But people, and I always say no, because when people mm-hmm. invest, they kind of, what happens is they start, ha- they have a little power over you. And then oh, you have to put yeah. together like board of directors and stuff yeah. like that. And then when you want to do something, you know, because they invested their money into it, you have to go say, I have this idea. And they can tell you no. And I don't right. like putting myself in positions for stuff that I feel like will work because you don't see the vision, you know? Mm. So, like, yeah, so I just, I, I make sure that I put myself in positions that I know I can succeed in, you know? And that's mm. important for a lot of people to understand is, you know, you need to understand who you are. And once you mm. understand who you are, then it'll be easier for you to navigate through this world and not feel, you know, that you being held back or you being, um, you know, there's constraints holding you back. So, you know, that's, that's been pivotal for me. Just being self-aware is super important. You know, and if it's a book that I would recommend people read, it's Emotional Intelligence 2.0. That's an amazing book on understanding, you know, how to deal with people, how not to get too emotionally attached to different situations that'll kind of knock you off, you Mm -hmm. know, your ultimate goals or what you're trying to do. Um, So, like, when we started our business, it got successful, and my friends, they wanted to be a part of it, Uh but, you know, and we gave them opportunities, but they didn't kind of put in that work that we needed them to do, Mm. you know, so one of our friends, like, they, like, stole, uh, one of our friends, they stole out one of our card game ideas, and, you know, I got upset, and my brother called me, you know, we all in a group message, and my brother called me, he was like, you know, you have to, um, I need you to read this book because I think sometimes you get overly emotional to certain things that I don't think you should mm. because you may be lacking some, some emotional intelligence, you know. And me and my brother have these these kind of conversations and where we kind of hold each other accountable and, you know, we tell each other these are the things that we need to do if we're going to be able to succeed, you know. And right. it was like, it was great that he recommended that book to me and it made me realize I'm holding on to friendships because, you know, I, I grew up and I didn't have a lot of friends and I wasn't yes. accepted. So it's like, am I still holding on to these friendships because I'm going to feel like how I felt when I was in, you know, Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't want to feel like that again. But after I read this book and then I started understanding and building this self-awareness about myself and understanding that you have to let that go, it was easy for me to start distancing myself from toxic toxic situations like mm-hmm. my friends selling my ideas or you know my friends not supporting me or whoever so you know that that's what i'm saying that's important to have somebody around you or people around you that can tell you when you're slipping or that can recommend something that they think may help you when they see 
something going on, like my brother did with that, you know, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book. So, right. yeah, that's a, it's a great book. Yeah. Right. And I'm so glad because I, I was going to ask that. I was going to be like, <laughs> well, you know, when we are overly emotional, <laughs> it's still some kind yeah, of yeah. issue that we're dealing with in ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Like, you know, my friends. Yeah. I went through that. It was a, you know, a good four to six month period where, mm. you know, I was feeling down about it. Like, why are my friends yeah. treating me like this? But mm. it's like, I didn't do nothing. Like, you know, we could still be friends and not do business together mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like that's the, but i didn't think about that initially i was just thinking about am i losing my friends if i lose my friends yeah. who am i gonna hang out with not mm-hmm. realizing like i'm meeting all of these people on my journey mm-hmm. you know people i talk to different people but i just didn't look at them like that at that moment i'm just dealing more so with what i'm more connected to and what i'm more comfortable with mm-hmm. and you know, as I'm as as I'm going through this business cycle, I'm realizing like it's okay to be uncomfortable. You know, it's okay to meet new people. Yeah. It's okay to make new friends. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like people be friends forever for a long time, and they don't be friends. They be married for a long time, they get divorced. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's the cycle of life that you know we have to come to grips with. And I finally started coming to grips with that, and not letting my childhood still be something that's holding me back from detaching myself from certain things that don't need to be there. Exactly. And you know, everybody that Mm -hmm. we come in contact with, whether they're seasonal or for a lifetime, um, Mm -hmm. they're a part of that process for us, right? To get to our destined greatness. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, yeah. So I want to go back to because you said about three years ago, you were homeless. So what was yeah. going on during that time for you? And like, how were you feeling like um, mental wise? Um, so um, let me say, maybe it was four, maybe it wasn't three or four years ago, but um, I had got laid off. I was working as a financial aid officer for um, the Art Institute of Chicago okay. and I got laid off. Um, and I had started, that's when I, when I got laid off, that's when I started my first business we were doing these t-shirts and everything like that. Mm. And I was on um, unemployment and I was just living off that for a while. And while I was trying to figure stuff out, so I had cashed out my 401k and everything to buy all this equipment. I was like, all right, I'm not going back to work. I'm starting me a t-shirt company because that was like the thing to do then. And (laughs) like at that point, I didn't really have, you know, any creative skills. So I'm just learning on the fly. And, you know, a couple years went by. We didn't get any traction. People laughing at our stuff whatever mm. um so you know i'm i remember my unemployment got cut off and i remember i came home one day and they called me and they like you know your rent is about to be due and i was like i need a sponsor so i started looking for a job and i couldn't find one so i remember they called me and i and they asked me like all right you gonna pay this or you can just leave so we don't have to go through the legal process so i just mm. packed a few things that i could i left mostly everything in there and put it in my car mm-hmm. and then i just slept in my car around the corner for a couple of days now mind you and i'm going to say this you know mm-hmm. i'm going to take responsibility for this for the most part because i could have easily went to my mom mm-hmm. my grandmother's house yeah. initially but it was one of those things where i'm so big on holding myself accountable for things mm-hmm. i didn't want to put i didn't want to kind of put them in no position to start feeling sorry for me or anything like that. So I'm like, all right, let me figure this out. You know, so eventually I went and stayed with my best friend, Rob, and I didn't even tell my grandmother and my mother until a couple of years ago that that happened. Wow. And uh, because I just, yeah, I didn't even tell them. So 
I went and stayed with my best friend, uh, you know, Rob, for a couple years. I found me a job. I had to go back to work. Um, and I was, I found me a job that, uh, well, I was doing, uh, temp services for, uh, like a month. And then eventually I got a job at Malcolm X College as an educational specialist, mm-hmm. um, for the upper bound program, a college readiness program. Yeah, okay. And then I did that. I did that for, um, a couple, well, yeah, I did that for a couple of years. And, you know, it was getting to that point where it was like, they, we kept going through these directors. Mm-hmm. And this they go another point. This is why I'm telling you, like, all of this stuff is like connected. Because then we were getting to a point where we were going through these directors, and I'm like, okay, I have the degree, I have the experience. Mm. The kids love me, uh-huh. but they never would give me an opportunity to, you know, uh, apply for it or interview for the job. They kept wow. saying, just wait, just wait. Mm-hmm. And we even went through three other directors, and I'm like the only person that's been there, you know, consistently, and they wouldn't give me an opportunity. So I remember um, a couple of what it was October of 2015. I was pumping my gas at the BP, and I was like, you know what? I'm putting in my two weeks notice, my two week notice, and I'm out of here. Like, mm. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm focused. I have, I got a little money saved up, but I just, this is not for me. Like, I, I like to, I have to control my own destiny and my own future, and I can't let people, you know, not tell me I'm not good enough to do something. And mm. like I said, it's taking me back to that place yeah. where. I'm getting rejected when I know mm-hmm. that I'm good enough to do wow. a certain job or do something. And I'm still going through it, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago. I'm mm-hmm. still going through it today. But I was at that point, I was like, I can't let these people have this type of control over me. So it was like, in order for you to know what your future is, you got to create it yourself. So yeah. I went in, I put in my two-week notice. They begging me to stay. I'm like, I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and... I want to say, so that was in October, so in May of 2016 is when I came up with the Martin Trivia Games, and oh. everything, my life changed after that, yeah, so, you know, the cars, the culture thing, it hasn't even, it's not even been two years, it's been a year and a half wow. since we started it, you know, and it just, it, the right people saw it, it, it got into the right hands, and it just, it, it started exploding, but had I not quit my job mm. and said, you know what, I'm going to take my own, I'm going to create my own future, my own destiny, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have created the Martin Trivia Game like that because I would have still been focused on, all right, I need to be the director. You know, I this need, I need to, that's what I need to do. And wow. I would have been so focused on that that I wouldn't have been doing something that I was passionate about because I'm passionate about, you know, black culture and, yeah. you know, bringing people together mm-hmm. and us having fun and having these conversations. And that's what the car games are. You know that we do. That's what they're about. And you know, it's. It, it, I guess. Um, what word am I looking for? I guess it's an extension of the person that I when I was growing up that I wanted to be. The, mm. with, so with the card games, I think they yeah. are facilitated. You know what I'm saying? Like so, people can talk to each other, have yeah. these conversations, have fun with each other, disagree, but you know, in a structured environment. And exactly. that's the type of stuff that I love to see. And that's how I wanted to do so. You know, if I'm feeling insecure about something, you know, I want to be able to talk to people about it. But we need something. This is a microcosm of it, but this is at least a starting point so people can go into certain situations and say and talk about whatever they want to talk about if they're having a conversation on a particular topic. But we're just starting off with, like, Martin or, you know, R&B <laughs> music or, you know, yeah. it's just a start. You know, it's you got to start somewhere. Like I say, it's those small victories. So if I'm going into a game night, and we having these debates and um, people agreeing with me, I, that's building my confidence up. So when I want to go out somewhere and I want to go talk to people, I'm confident enough to know that I can do this. I can articulate myself. And, 
you know, that's why we starting to build games that's more opinion-based and not necessarily fact-based because mm. we live in a world now where everybody is ready to share their pain. Yeah. They want to let you know that I know, but they just need something that's structured to say, all right, here, what's your opinion on this? You know, so we're doing a lot of, uh, which one of these TV shows got to go? You know, Martin Fresh Prince, <laughs> right. um, you know, uh, different world of Cosby shows. And then it's like, you know, somebody pick Martin. You're like, what? You pick Martin? Why you pick Martin? <laughs> oh, now you get to tell them why you pick Martin. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh-huh. yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, the world we live in. Like, we look at, we on social media when, like, insecure and stuff is on. When it go on, Twitter is on fire. Yes. And when I was on Twitter noticing that, and I was like, all right, I see where I see where we're going with this. Yeah. So then that's when I was like, we we we'll do a fact based game, but for the most part, I want to create games where people are these game nights and they debating and they arguing and they sweating and you know it's like I can't believe somebody just said this, but it's in a it's in a, a in a friendly manner and everybody is just having fun, but mm-hmm. we're not gonna all agree because that's not natural. So right. we want to put these people in these structured situations, but. You know, and not necessarily just having, you know, we want it to be a natural thing, things that you will experience when you get outside of this. People not agreeing with you, you having your strong opinions on certain things and you not wavering from that because everybody don't agree with you. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's me understanding that has been very instrumental in us, you know, taking that next step to um, like taking our business to the next level because now I, every day I look up somebody got a trivia game out. You know, it's like the thing. It's like the mixtapes were like uh-huh. t-shirts first came out. Yeah, everybody wants to do t-shirts. I want you know mixtapes came out. Everybody wants to do mixtapes. Uh-huh. And you know, I see the trivia game. You know, lane really starting to probably get that because a lot of people hear our stories and they just think it's slapping questions and answers on cards, but it's much more that we have to do. You know, and there's much more that goes into it than that because our messages is, is not about necessarily the questions and the answers. Like I said, it's about people that value these shared experiences with loved ones, you know, new acquaintances, mm-hmm. friends, and families. And I mean, we just preach like it just makes this world a better place. Like that's how I feel with these trivia games. And, you know, that's our messaging behind it. And, you know, um, I know like when we post like, so we, so what we started doing is we started posting opinionated questions on our Instagram page, mm-hmm. you know, and you look at my comments and you just got, you know, 300 people just, you know, debating these questions that we put up. And I, and this, and I do that. So I, when people go look and I say, this is what this, this is what you can expect when you go to a game, like, you know, people can get a firsthand view without having a game to see. Oh, okay. So me and my friends, we gonna be arguing like this, like how they arguing our comments, you know. So right. yeah, you know, yeah, we gonna have these conversations. So yeah, like that's 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 what it's about. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. so, in honor of you guys being genius geniuses with the trivia games, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I had to do a little trivia game as it relates to mental health. Uh, <laughs> wait, so wait, can you repeat that too? Um, so uh, I I wanted to do a little trivia game okay. as it relates to mental health for you. So you okay. got so I'm gonna okay, read okay. the questions and give you the choices, uh, and then you have to uh, guess which one. Oh <laughs> uh, man! All right, let's go. Let me see. Okay. I should have studied. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So stigma right. refers to a a plan of treatment agreed to by patient and doctor. B, lack of knowledge about mental health, 
or C, societal prejudice that can prevent people in need from speaking up or seeking help? You said stigma? Stigma. Mm-hmm. I want to say C. I got I to gotta have some music. Whoosh. Burm, burm, burm. <laughs> you got it right. It's right. So, oh, so yeah, got you, right. Got it right. Yeah. you got it right. You got it right. Okay, okay. You got it right. right. Look at you. You don't need hey, to study. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me go. Look, I'm you said I'm on a roll, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm the trivia master. So, so bring it on. <laughs> Question two. Mental health refers to A, achieving a period of 12 to 18 months without a psychotic episode B striking a balance in all aspects of your life social physical spiritual economic and mental or C a constant feeling of contentment I want to go with B you say which one B hey Hey. you want to (laughs) roll Okay. Question no. three. Who is most likely to get a mental illness? A. Poor uneducated people. B. Mental illness can affect anyone regardless of intelligence, social class, or income level. Or C. People with stressful jobs. I'm going to go with B. With this one. Hey, look okay. at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh, God. I'm going to change my name to the trivia guy. Like, I might have to. <laughs> I have to. But yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Go. You're right. You're right. Uh-huh. Okay. What does SAD stand for? A, simple anxiety defect. B, it is a short form of sadness. Or C, Seasonal affective disorder, a type of depression that follows follows a seasonal pattern. Oh man, this is a tough one. Um, <laughs> I want to say C. Yes, look at you. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Did you do process of elimination that was- for that one, or? <laughs> Yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did. I, I got it, I got yeah, as, it. As you, got okay, yeah, as you, as you, I learned how to do that because almost like, what, um, three years ago, well, no, maybe three and a half years ago, I was, um, I studied to take the L set, and oh. it was teaching me how to, yeah, it taught me how to do some stuff like that, so, yeah, I kind of just eliminate certain stuff, and be like, all right, I think I got it, so, or at least to give me the best opportunity to get it right anyway. Exactly. Ooh, okay. So, social phobia is A, a dislike of hosting social get-togethers, B, an excessive fear of social or performance situations, or C, a resistance to gatherings of more than five people. Oh, man. Now they're getting harder now. I wanna, yeah, <laughs> see, um... Is it B? Look at you! <laughs> you on the right, roll. Yeah. You got that okay. right. <laughs> All right. You gotta keep um. You gotta keep like tests so you can do like this, uh, so people know where they stood. Uh-huh. They, you know, in comparison to everybody. Yes, you know. I love uh, that. Yeah. Though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh God. Right. 
Um, I'm trying to think of which one to do. Oh, maybe I'll do this. This last one. If a person is having a panic attack, the best response is to A, firmly hold and restrain them. B, stay with them and encourage them to be calm and breathe deeply. C, try to dismiss their fears by telling them that it is all in their mind. Or D, use it as a time to help the individual confront the fear head on and find its cause. See, now we got to go from A, B to C to A, B, C to D. <laughs> I, I thought I had it. Until, you know, I got to oh, throw, man. I got to throw an extra one in there now. <laughs> oh, man. What was B again? B was stay with them and encourage them to calm and breathe deeply. Yeah, I'm going to oh, I don't know. I want to <laughs> say oh, oh. <laughs> So what did I they wanna, say I'm on that go L set? Go with your first mind, right? I'm gonna go with B. Yeah, I'm gonna go with B. But I, right. that's what I was gonna initially go with. Oh, okay, you then right. you said C it kinda. Oh, okay, cool. cool. <laughs> hey. Look <laughs> at you. You didn't I'm need to good. study or nothing. Look. Uh-huh. See, that's as you building confidence. You're building confidence <laughs> over here. <laughs> See, look, you good, you good. <laughs> Now, Jason, can you, right? I know that's right. Can you <laughs> let the listeners know how do you keep yourself healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually? So every day I go to the gym every morning, um, eight a.m. That's like a routine. Like I, if I don't go work out mm-hmm. every morning, I don't feel right throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the day. So Monday through Friday, I go work out for that's an, at minimum an hour, okay. and I go work out. Um, you know, mentally. What I do is I'm starting to learn how to, uh, you know, take time to myself and kind of let a lot of, you know, just kind of spend some time with myself and kind of shut off my phone and everything. Like, I like every night before I go to bed, like for like an hour, I just cut off my phone and I just lay in the dark and just, you know, just lay and just think mm-hmm. and just clear my mind from social media and stuff. And even then, like, I take a lot of social media hiatus, even though mm-hmm. I have a business. I still take, like, I delete Instagram, I delete Twitter, all that stuff off my phone for a couple days, and it really, it helps you just kind of, and I do a lot of reading, and and that also helps too. So, um, you know, another thing that I do is most people ask me, like, what do I read? So, in order for me to stay innovative in what I do is Mm -hmm. I read things that's not necessarily directly connected to, quote-unquote, the culture and stuff like that, so... You know, I will read books on, like, I'm reading a book on Japanese architect called Wabi Sabi right now, oh. you know, but what it's doing is, it, 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 what I do is I'm good at connecting things, so I'll take things that I'm learning from that, and then I'll bring it over, you know, so I read a lot of, you know, um, psychological thriller books just to kind of help me learn how to think on a deeper level um, sometimes, so, you know, that's what I do. I shut all of that stuff down, and I read a lot, and I read a lot of blogs on media stuff like that so reading mm-hmm. is really very very helpful um for me and then when i go to bed i don't sleep next to my phone like i put it on the other side of the room because oh. your brain is like a computer and mm-hmm. it's still even though you're not on your phone you still your brain is still connected to it mm-hmm. you know and i just get I, I have to get rid of it and this is like you notice if you sleep next to your phone you're more likely to wake up checking the phone, jumping on social media, saying mm-hmm. you got text and you can't get a good night's sleep because your phone, your brain, and your phone is still, you know, 
is still making love with each other. So I got to get rid of it. Like, I just put it on the other side of the room, and it helps me get, like, a, a, a great night's sleep. So mm-hmm. and also, get thinking and getting a good night's rest. Like, you yeah. have to do that. Like, people be talking about that, you know, no team, no sleep, no Oh, my team, goodness, no right. Sleep, sleep like, is for the week. I go to bed at, <laughs> yeah, I go to bed at 10 p.m. every night. I don't care what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I'll do it tomorrow. Like, I don't stay up late trying to do all of this stuff you know i stopped doing that i used to do it but mm-hmm. it's just it, it, it's not right because you will start making mistakes and you will just be wasting time so yeah working out reading you know disconnecting from social media and when you're going to sleep then you know don't sleep with your phone next to you right. you know and, and i pray too you know i pray i'm not um i'm not overly religious at all you know that's a, a conversation for another time but i'm not overly religious but i do believe in god though i do believe in god and you know every night before i go to bed i just you know i, I thank god when i wake mm-hmm. up i say god please protect me today you know i'm gonna do right i'm gonna do great i'm gonna do nothing bad but protect me from the vultures out here because mm-hmm. you know you gotta be careful but yeah so you know just small things like that but these are things that help and it works. It, it works wonders for me, and like this was the happiest I've been ever in my life because of some changes. And you know, I eat right. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't saying that I don't go out and smash burgers. <laughs> takes me time to time, but you know, I make sure. But it's sure, not something you, know, you doing every a, day. No, no. Right. You know, for the most part, like I eat. You know, I eat a lot of sandwiches. I eat you know soup and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, because it. And it, but my my I guess my vice is, is in the morning I do drink black coffee with espresso in it like it has hmm. me going all day that's the only thing you know it's not the it doesn't taste the best but it works like i be gone i be going all day when i have my black coffee i have to get it like i mm-hmm. drink it right before i work out and you know that's the only thing that if i had to say people would be like why do you do that it's just like i need it i need it i need it so hmm. yeah that's it Oh, and can you let our listeners know where they can connect with you guys at and buy the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we sold out right now. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, it's Christmas like, time, right? Like, two, like people. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, they yeah. they they on fire. So we're waiting on the inventory. It'll be in next week for sure. But okay. um, our Instagram is Republic and the Company um, on Instagram. Also, the Trivia Library on Instagram, on Twitter, Republic and Co. Um, my personal Twitter is I am Jason Gray. So if you want me to see me drop some jewels and some gems sometimes, I do that from time to time when I'm actually tweeting, which is very rare. <laughs> and um, the website is um, cardsfortheculture.com or .co. Um, yeah, and you can get all, it's a buffet. I tell people, we got a buffet full of trivia games on there. So, you can mm-hmm. customize it to your game night, you know, because people say, why do y'all had a different game? It's like, well, if I know my friends don't watch House Party or they be like they don't like it, I'm not going to bring it around for them to play. Right. You know, so I kind of know, I kind of tailor, you can tailor around that. But we may be doing a lot. We, we, we're going through a big transition right now. So, you know, they, it's gonna, yeah, people going to see a lot of different things coming up. But, yeah, it's a, it's a buffet full of trivia games on there. So all you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and so, just my curiosity: what's your degree in? Uh, so, I have my uh, my bachelor's is in communication, and um, my master's is in management. 
Um, okay. MSM from Colorado University. Um, my bachelor's is from Marion University. It's a small college in Wisconsin, a liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was just really curious. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jason, no. for being a you great guest and sharing your story and how you got to greatness with what you do. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to come on and talk about, you know, my struggles yeah. and the things that I go through. So people can understand they're not alone. We, exactly. No matter, you know, mm-hmm. how we look on the outside, you know, we are dealing with something. So don't feel alone and, you exactly. know, just try to push through and get the proper help that you need. Mm-hmm. And breaking, you know, breaking that barrier of people feeling like they need to suffer mm-hmm. in silence. You know, it, yeah. it's more people out there that have been through what you're going through. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we can get one person to say, you know what, I'm going to get some help. We did great. Mm-hmm. We did our job for the exactly. episode. Yes, yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you. So, you guys mm-hmm. go buy those cards. Christmas time is yeah. coming. Christmas yeah. is coming. <laughs> family, like I'm telling you, this is if you want to get into it with your family. <laughs> this is gonna be. This is the perfect thing for you. Yes. This is the perfect thing. Yeah. So. Yes. So thank you guys for listening, and as always, peace. Peace. Hey, TC listeners. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and rate this podcast. You can send me emails with questions, comments, and feedback to TEC Podcast. 2017 at gmail.com on Twitter at TEC Podcast 2017 IG at TEC Podcast Facebook The Evolving Chair Podcast or check out my website at www.theevolvingchair.com so go listen to me on SoundCloud iTunes and Google Play